Hello, and welcome back to the Building Stewards podcast. I'm Donovan Brooks, and I get the privilege of leading you on your stewardship journey through education, encouragement, and engagement. 2020 is shaping up to be one crazy year for a lot of different reasons. One, the pandemic has just taken up so much of the year and just has been taxing to just about every American. And if that isn't enough, we are in election season and there's just still a lot of uncertainty around election results and how the country is going to swing and the future of the country in regards to uh, what future politicians will do. So with all that being said, what we typically see with a lot of uncertainty out there and missed expectations is fluctuations and volatility in the stock market. And what do I mean by this? I mean that the investments that we own change value pretty significantly in a short amount of time. And what history has shown us is that this is pretty normal and can be expected. And because it's the result of the uncertainty and missed expectations. And there are just a few reasons I think that we're still in the throes of some stock market volatility. The first being just the elections and the changing of presidential power and even the changing of congressional power within the House and the Senate. So what we have seen historically is that there's always been volatility around post-election when it comes to changing of presidential power. And so this has a lot to do with people's expectations and what they're forecasting future policy to be for the country. And so that could be a prime driver of stock market volatility. Much of the time, it is investors reacting negatively to what they foresee happening in the future. And so what we see when people are acting on fear, they sell. And with with enough selling, we see depressed prices, which has an effect on the stock market and what everyone else can get for their investments as well. So... The elections, the changing of power, whether it be presidential, whether it be Congress, um, it has been enough historically to have an effect on the stock market. So I know as I'm recording this, there's still much to be determined about what Congress and what the presidential office is going to be and what it's going to look like. There's a lot of projections right now, but projections are just that. They're projections. So um, we we know that there's not going to be any settling of the dust for a little bit. And once we see some more concrete details of what that settlement looks like, I would expect some I would expect some some volatility when it comes to the stock market and you know what we're going to see in the the, the Dow and the S and P 500. So. Um, and just a few definitions that you might hear, you have heard, because I'm, I'm throwing out a lot of lingo, but I don't want to confuse you. But if a market correction happens, that means the markets, the stock markets have declined up to 20%. Bear market signifies a market decline of 20% or more. So, and I do want to make a distinguishing statement that when I talk about the market, that's different than the economy per se. So when you hear recession that and depression and expansion, that is strictly in regards to the economy and the business cycle on that end. When you hear bear market and bull market and rally, that is in regards to the stock market. So, and one last thing about um, stock market volatility when it comes to politics and presidential and congressional elections is we've seen it in the past where there is some volatility after the changing of power, but long-term investors 
are rewarded for enduring that volatility and not making any changes because uh, the data that I've seen shows that over the long term, over the, the multiple presidencies, over the, the one-party controlled Congress and presidential office, that still the stock market has grown and long-term investors are rewarded for continuing to invest and stay invested and not acting on fear. So that's one thing I would encourage you with, that no matter what the outcome looks like in regards to the presidential election and the congressional elections, is that over time, there's still going to be growth because businesses and individuals will adapt to any policies put in place. The next reason to expect a little volatility in the markets is that it's nearing the end of the year. And this may be um, wives' tale, this may be speculation, but typically we see some volatility and fluctuations in the markets at the end of the year. And this could be for a variety of reasons. This could be because investors are selling to do some year-end tax planning or gifting or other financial planning strategies. There's requirement distributions that older folks need to take, or there just may be people that want more cash going into the new year. So there's typically an influx of selling at the end of the year. But then also there's this could be because companies are reporting earnings and anytime there's a missed expectation of how a company performs, that shakes investor confidence. And when investor confidence gets shaken, you typically see some investors sell. Um, and that is another reason that could add and lean into stock market fluctuations. And then finally, the last reason why I think there's probably some more stock market fluctuation and volatility is that we're still in a pandemic. And with COVID-19, it's been compared quite a bit to the Spanish flu um, in a lot of ways. And if you look at the Spanish flu, if you've done any reading on the Spanish flu, you'll know that there were multiple waves of the Spanish flu. Um, I think there were four, maybe five. But when you look at the, the data and the numbers for the Spanish flu, the second wave was the deadliest and the biggest by far. So, and it kind of lines up with the timing of the year that we're entering and where we're at with COVID just entering the, the winter seasons, um, entering a season where um, we typically have the flu and multiple respiratory illnesses. So that overlapping with COVID, which is also respiratory illness, we can see that there, there could be something left that the pandemic is waiting to, <laughs> to hit us with. So with that, I wouldn't be surprised if there was another wave and another wave would likely bring on some more stock market volatility, some more fear, people just uncertain about the future. So we'll see. I know at this moment, Pfizer just announced a vaccine that is over 90% preventative in regards to COVID-19. So who knows? We'll see. But if we have any more waves left in the pandemic ahead of us, then I would expect some stock market fluctuation and for values to, to decline. Okay, so you're, you're thinking, Donovan, okay, so you're talking about fluctuation and all of these things that can be frightful, and there's a lot of uncertainty around it. What do we need to do? So we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan so we don't make the big mistake of panic selling at the bottom, um, which is a big mistake that many, many individuals make, and it does a lot of damage to their financial plan, and oftentimes they can't recover from it because you lose a lot of time by selling at the bottom. And the reality is you can't time the market, and that's the thing. People that panic sell at the bottom, they're, they're trying to time the market 
They're trying to navigate and protect their financial future, which is kind of sad, but by selling at the bottom, um, they've just set themselves back quite a bit. So even if, even if they get out at the bottom, they're trying to time when the best time to get back in is. And, you know, at the bottom, it's the bottom. So anywhere from there is up. And so any time they uh, sell at the bottom and they're trying to get back in, it's just going to be a lose-lose situation. So they're getting out at the, the, the lowest possible point. So they're losing, you know, a ton of money if they sell. And then when they get back in, they're getting back in for more than what they sold. So they're losing on two fronts there. So we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan so we don't make a mistake. So anyone that works with an advisor or a professional typically has an investment policy statement. And it is exactly that. It's a statement. It's a policy that guides your investment plan. So on that investment policy statement, it is going to list everything around your investment plan. It is the policy. It is the guiding document. And not that it can't change, but typically it should be referred to as much as possible and revisited um, periodically. So on those investment policy statements, you'll typically find the investor, the investor's risk tolerance. Where are they comfortable on the risk spectrum? Um, and you'll, you should also find the parameters of when an account will be rebalanced or brought back up to par with that aforementioned risk tolerance. And then there's some other details about what accounts, um, where it's held, and, and everything else, if there's any restrictions when it comes to investing. But that document is key uh, to be revisited and to have in place. If, if you look at your time horizon, time horizon is another thing that should be on that investment policy statement. In that mode of panic, uh, a professional should you know, bring that forth and say, hey, you said you had a long-term time horizon. This was your risk tolerance. This was, this was our parameters for moving forward with selling. And that should be, again, the guiding, the guiding light of how to handle your investments. Um, risk tolerance, I hit on that a little bit, but you need to know your risk tolerance. So I was presented with the idea once that risk tolerance is really composed of two factors. It's your risk tolerance, which is your ability to stomach the ups and downs the ability to stomach risk. The other plane is risk capacity. So this is your time that you're able to, to have that risk in your life. So someone with a longer risk capacity um, can endure risk for a longer period of time. Um, someone with a shorter risk capacity doesn't have that much time that they can be susceptible to risk. Someone with a high risk tolerance can stomach the ups and downs of the market no matter what's thrown at them. Someone with a low risk tolerance can't quite stomach those ups and downs as well without being fearful or having anxiety or this or that. So that risk tolerance score is really made up of capacity and your tolerance, but you need to know what your risk tolerance is. And I'll link to a risk tolerance questionnaire that I use with my clients. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, it's about 14 questions. I think it takes maybe 10 minutes or so, and it will tell you what your risk tolerance is. Okay, also building on having a plan is, I've been harping on this quite a bit um, in a lot of the content that I create and send out, is focusing on what you can control. So there's so much right now that you can't control. You know, whether it's the election, whether it's the markets, whether it's, you know, employment, you know, what have you. There's so many things out of our control, but what we can control, we can, we can execute on. We can do it to our best ability and we can make sure we move the needle. So focus on what you can control. This could be anything from 
increasing your savings, evaluating your spending and your budgeting and your monthly cash flow. This could be investing. This could be making sure you're having those tough conversations around money with your significant other. So there are a lot of things that that are, are within your control when it comes to your personal finances. You just need to make sure you're leaning into those and doing the best that you can in those areas. And those things will move the needle no matter where we're at with stock market volatility and the economy. And one thing I'll add about investing as I talk about having a plan is how important the systematic investing is in our financial picture. So when I say systematic investing, I mean routine investing and, and more commonly month to month. Uh, so if you work at a job and you have a 401k offered to you and you're putting money in each month, that is systematic investing. So when we have times of stock market volatility and uh, the economy is going haywire and the markets are down, um, that systematic investing is where wealth is built. Uh, the more that you can buy at those depressed prices, the better off you're going to be. And just an example, if you look back to when the pandemic first hit back in March of, of 2020, the market was down about 34%. And these are rough numbers based on what I found online. But it was down about 34%. And that put the S&P 500 at about 2237 on March 23rd, 2020. The last time the S&P closed at approximately that level was in December of 2016. And that was an all-time high at that point. So that's a little perspective of what that looks like. So if you invested um, and you were systematically investing and you invested, you know, these last, you know, those first few months of the pandemic, it was like time traveling back to 2016, early 2017. So that's a little perspective of how important it is to routinely save. Not only is that how you're going to build wealth long term and capitalize on exponential growth of investing, but you also take advantage of those market, those times where the markets do take a dive. You get to buy in at a cheaper price. It's like going to a garage sale and getting something on sale or going to the store. It's like going to the store and getting something on sale. And finally, when it comes to having a plan, you need to make sure your investment allocation matches your risk tolerance and your long-term goals. So I can't tell you how many times that um, people just aren't aware of what they're invested in. So always know what you're invested in and always know if it matches your risk tolerance. A lot of times it's either too conservative for you, it, it doesn't carry enough risk. And we, we, what we know about investing is that risk and reward are correlated. So the more risk there is with an investment, the more it's going to return to you over time. So oftentimes when I look at an individual's investments, they're either invested too conservatively or too aggressively. So this is an ongoing conversation, but you need to review your investment allocation periodically and make sure that it's invested according to your goals and your risk tolerance and your time horizon. So there we have it. A few reasons why I think there's still some stock market volatility ahead in our near future. So have a plan, have a plan, have a plan. If you haven't made a plan yet or you don't have a plan in place, pause this podcast and write it on your to-do list or start it make sure you're getting something into place because I don't want you to make the big mistake of not knowing what's going on and selling at the wrong time and um, not capitalizing on the opportunity that could potentially present itself. So have a plan for when life throws these crazy events at us um, that you'll stay the course, be focused, and endure the volatility of the market, but life as well. 
And before I let you go, if you could share this podcast with anybody that you think would find it valuable, that would be much appreciated. Also, everything that I kind of mentioned uh, will be in the show notes. So if you need to check the show notes out, you can go to www.buildingstewardspodcast.com and you will see the, the latest episode, this episode in there with the appropriate show notes. So until next time, the best is yet to come. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Because it is general in nature, it does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, please consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. This podcast is not engaged in legal, financial, or other professional services.